Are you ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again? It's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. I was in the bath and I had a realization this week. I want to feel strong in my body. I'm not talking about losing weight or getting into a bikini for the summer. I'm talking about feeling like I can lift a sofa up the four flights of stairs in my New York apartment if I want to. One of my friends owns a gym, and she saw a bunch of guys hemming and hawing about a certain 50-pound weight. So she went right up to it. She took that 50-pound weight, and she lifted it over her head. And the next thing you know, all the guys were like, oh, I could do 50 pounds, and they start upping it to 60 pounds, 70 pounds. And she walked away. I mean, not only did she feel strong physically, she felt like a freaking rock star, like a badass, like a woman in charge of her body, in charge of her life. And that's strength. That's vitality, and that's what I want. Mind, body, spirit, vitality. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You are in for such a treat. My guest is my inspiration, my role model in business. She is in her 30s, and she has not only started a million-dollar business that is growing every year, it is a benefit corp. It's a B corp. And it's dedicated to human flourishing. It's dedicated to increasing the well-being of individuals all over the world, of corporations all over the world. And perhaps the most impressive thing about her is her heart. She makes all of her decisions based on her heart and her gut. I mean, this woman walks her talk. So I'm going to introduce Emilia Zhivotovskaya. And I have to tell you, she was born in the Soviet Union She immigrated to the United States as a little girl at five, not even knowing the language. I mean, she did not know any English. And now she is the CEO of the Flourishing Center, this New York City-based million-dollar-plus business, all dedicated to human flourishing. She's the creator of the Certificate in Applied Positive Psychology program, which is offered in 11 cities around the world. She has her master's degree in Applied Positive Psychology from UPenn. She's currently pursuing her PhD in mind-body medicine from Saybrook University. She's also an adjunct faculty there. And she is like, if there's a certification, this woman has it in vitality. <laughs> she is a master coach, yoga instructor, Reiki instructor, intensati, which is an exercise you have to look up. It's amazing. Thai massage, pole dancing. I mean, this woman, she even threw the pole dancing bachelorette party for me when I got married to Josh. She is, she is the queen of vitality. She has an incredible story of resilience, strength, vitality, mindset, all using the science of happiness to heal millions of people. I am so excited. Emilia, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I just love you so much. And I too love everything that you're up to. And I feel so honored to just have this time and to be with you and your audience. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited about this. And I mean every word I say about you. You are my inspiration. Like, I'm always like, what would Amelia do, right? Mm. So as we, I want to dive into, we're going to talk about vitality because I had that realization this week in the bath and my husband goes to the gym every day. And so I said, all right, I'm committing two days a week. I'm going with you 
just to lift weights. Like I already run, I already do yoga, but I want that strength. Mm. And so I want to dive into vitality with you. And before we do, I want to share your incredible story with people because you are a woman living on purpose who could have lived a very different life since you were born in Kiev, right? You were born in the Soviet Union. So can you share a little bit of your journey of immigrating here without knowing English to becoming a purpose-based CEO, woman entrepreneur CEO of a million-dollar company? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, there was, there's just a few years in between the two, you know, between <laughs> five and... I know, it's a big starting. question. Um, but it's so interesting because when I do look back on my life, like I think that I've had that entrepreneurial spirit for a large part of my life. I started working when I was 14. I started my first career. Little did I know that that would be a 12-year-long career as a children's party entertainer and DJ dancer and bar mitzvah, bar, bar mitzvah dancer and MC and all sorts of other fun things that I got to do at a really young age. So I think that there's I think there's something to be said about that immigrant mentality mm. that we get from our, our ancestors, from our family, that my, my family came to this country leaving fairly comfy, comfy middle, upper middle class jobs to pursue the American dream and start from scratch and come to this country with nothing. And despite having both having advanced degrees, just taking a job as a, a taxi driver, as a limo driver for my dad and my mom taking a job at a mentally retired home just to do what they need to do to support their family and their children. And I think that I was just raised with a very strong work ethic and a, a drive to to know that with enough time, with enough effort, you, you can make a dent. And I feel that I was incredibly, incredibly lucky to have gotten this opportunity to work as a party entertainer when I was 14 because, firstly, it was like a dream come true because anyone who has ever been a little girl going to a bar bat mitzvah <laughs> in the past like two decades, you know, you look up to these dancers and it's like, oh my gosh, like you, this is your job, you know? And I was like, oh my God, this is my job now. And, <laughs> and by the way, that, I, don't, I don't know all of you out there if you've been to a bar mitzvah. But if you have not, get yourself on an invite list because <laughs> seriously, that is my favorite party. I would rather do that than go to any New York City club because it is a whole night of dancing to the best songs, everything from Celebrate Good Times Come On to, you know, recent hits. And it's just fun. And sometimes they'll have these professional dancers like Amelia's talking about. And so I was totally that kind of girl. I know exactly what you mean, Amelia. <laughs> Right. It's like, oh, my gosh, they're the coolest people to walk the planet. Totally. So for me, what happened was I, I had this amazing career and I worked throughout high school, uh, paid my way through college, paid my way through my master's degree and will eventually dig myself out of my Ph.D. loans. But that's a whole <laughs> other story. And and that. So I think that that, when I look back on my story, I really think that that really contributed to it because I got to have so much fun at work. I got to make people happy for an hour at a time, four hours, four hours at a time, create these sort of bubbles for which people could just experience joy and connection. And I would coordinate games for kids to play with parents and mm. I would get them dancing. And most importantly, I would get them connected. And, and it actually ties into vitality because I remember those were some of my early visceral experiences about the power of movement and the power of group movement together. Because 
I used to walk into a crowd and, you know, after years of doing it, you just hand me the mic and I could have 200, 300 people in an audience. And I knew that if I could just get them clapping along to the beat of the music, following my lead, I knew I would have them for the next four hours Mm. because there's this beautiful, I had these opportunities to create experiences for people and I brought joy into people's life. And so when I was finishing college and thinking about, you know, what am I going to do with my life or what, what am I going to make my next career? I basically either had the option to keep entertaining. I already started a kid's birthday party company at the age of 18 that I had um, had a, a business partner in. And it was like, either I could go for my dreams of, you know, looking at the things that the, the people who were inspiring and empowering me, the spiritual teachers, the Tony Robbins, the Oprah's, the, the people who are helping people live better lives. I could just go for my dreams or I could keep entertaining. I was making great money. I was having a lot of fun. And so I really think that that informed me because I had that entrepreneurial spirit, but also I kind of knew I didn't have much to lose because I had, I, you know, was, I, I, there was no way I was going to take a cubicle job doing work, you know, giving my life uh, and all of my hours of the week to work I didn't love because, and then it actually, in some ways, I am sure you could relate to this and many of the, the listeners on the line that when we, when we are forced to choose between things that we really, really, really like to things that we love, like it's a hard decision to make. And so at some point I had to make a decision and I had to leave entertaining something that I had loved so much, but it was like, I couldn't work seven hours, seven days a week anymore. So I had to make that transition. But when I'd heard about positive psychology, when I heard that there was actually a science for how people could flourish and how they could thrive, it took my passion for all the self-help books I was reading, all the spirituality books I'd been reading. And it was like, wow, there's a science to this. And I also wanted the science because at the time I started my company, I was, um, I was 20, 21 years old and the, the flourishing center, it wasn't, you know, it's gone through many name changes. It wasn't, you know, it was a, an, um, it was an S corp and now we're an S corp and a B corp. So it's gone through many iterations, but you know, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and a speaker and I knew I wanted to be a life coach. And at the time, like who was going to take a 20 or 21 year old life coach seriously, despite the fact that I was already doing this work, I was already the go-to person, the listener, the curious question asker. And I was, I was people's go-to for that level of energy and support. But I thought that I needed the science of positive psychology to help people take me seriously and, Mm. uh, and to really give validity to what I was doing. And so that's what brought me to positive psychology. And I do feel that I've just been very, very, very blessed to know how to listen to my inner guidance and trust it. Um, Also, part of my story is when my family immigrated here, it was my my brother and my mother and I and my dad. And uh, when my brother was 24 and I was 14, he died in an accident. He was swimming at night with his fiance and two of their friends and his fiance started drowning and he ran in to try and save her. And she survived, but he had passed away. And that was a very traumatic time, obviously, in my life. It was 14 was this like kind of melting pot for starting my my career as an entertainer, uh, def, you know, stepping into quote unquote being a woman and, def, you know, finding sexuality and boyfriends mm. and, you know, stuff. And then yeah. also death, my, the, the loss of my brother. But I really feel that on a spiritual level, I've, I've felt 
I felt his guidance as, 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 as my, my spirit guide. And I felt the universal guidance. And I just feel like I, I just do my best to just show up every day. And there's always never ending list of things that need to get done. But I just do my best to put one foot in front of the other and stay in alignment and listen for where the universe guides me. And, you know, it's guided me to some really beautiful places. And I just feel humbled that we've gotten the opportunity for, you know, we're, we've been in business for 10 years. Um, most businesses fail in the first five years. So, you know, we're, we're finally getting our roots. And it's just, if you do anything for 10 years, it's <laughs> it starts to and, and and work as many hours as I have like it's it starts to take root and um, and I very much I feel very grateful that we've gotten to train practitioners in positive psychology and help other people make a lasting impact on on others as well through their their voice and their passions and their interests I mean it's so incredible um, there's so many points of your story one of which is you had this moment at 14 when you were becoming a, a young woman, you know, like you said, all of a sudden there's sexuality and there's, you know, you were starting your career as an entertainer and you, you know, it was like life was starting at this moment where death came. And um, my heart is just so full of love for you and for your brother. And there's that pivotal moment, you know, of, here was this huge pain and you could have allowed it. Nobody would have blamed you if you had just become kind of like a drug addict kid who dropped out of school. I mean, nobody, it, it's, it's so traumatic for a teenager, but you used it for purpose. You know, you used it as a guide. You, it, that's, we all have those moments where, I, where we can go either way. And I'm just really remarking on how, you saw this as obviously I'm sure you were in so much pain and here's your brother and he's my spirit guide and, and I'm allowing him to guide me forward. That is mm. a lesson we all can take because we're all going through some sort of challenge, right? Whether you're hating your job or you're feeling stuck in your marriage or you have a child who's ill, there's this moment of shifting and deciding that you're going to engage in well-being and you're going to live on purpose. I think it's incredible. Yeah. And, and, and I'll add to that, that I like when I'm really honest with myself, it, it's not like they do in the movies, you know, it's not like, oh, we have a two hour movie. So you really got to get that whole like pivot point. Like it's got to all happen within like one <laughs> right. moment in time, you know, three to five minutes. Like it, it took time, you know, and it's one of those you can connect the dots backwards, not necessarily mm. forward, as Steve Jobs has pointed out. So, yeah, I, th I think that the reminder that while we look back and we can say that was a pivotal moment, you know, that moment was made up of lots of little moments, you know, it came from moments of just kind of crying and going through all of the emotions of just like being angry and being in despair and being so sad and then being scared. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, and then there's that moment of like, okay, you know, if, if my brother were alive, like, what would he want me to do? Mm. Um, how can I carry his memory forward? And then the stuff that's never really done. So I, well, I, I want to, uh, you know, honor what I said, like it was a pivotal moment in time. I also want to just remind everybody that's listening that, you know, the moments, they feel like a moment when you look back on them, but they're often little drops in the bucket and little drops in the bucket. And, and that's why I think that part of the personal mastery is just knowing how to experience all of your, your life experiences and just know how to move through them, knowing that they're all temporary and that 
there's always a little drop of wisdom with within each mm. emotion that you feel with each thought that you have with each experience you have i love that i love that um my last episode was actually all about anger and grief and kind of the quote-unquote dark emotions i don't even want to call them negative emotions but the value of feeling them all and experiencing them and that is really part of vitality yeah. So you just mentioned something so interesting. I'd love for you to, to describe. You said personal mastery. So what does that mean? Hmm. I think of personal mastery as the way that it was taught to me by my one of my early mentors, Dr. Srikumar Rao. And this was back when I was uh, still in my, I think I was 18 when I met him. And he I was like, you're going to be my mentor, like it or not, you're my Yoda. And I like basically like clung to his leg and was like, teach me everything you know. <laughs> and he he taught a course that uh, that was actually offered at Columbia Business School at the time. And he was also a marketing professor at Long Island University where I was studying. And I heard that he used to teach this class there and I actually petitioned the school and got students that were interested in taking it because I had to take this class. It was everything I knew I needed about life skills that I wasn't getting in college. And uh, the course was called Creativity and Personal Mastery. Mm. And Shukumar used to say all the time, are you showing up in the world the way that you want to? And that is that is the way that I define personal mastery. It's the ability to show up the way that you want to, to feel how you want to feel when you want to feel it, mm. to do the things that you say you want to do, to uh, and to think the way that you want to think, thinking in alignment. You know, Gandhi said that when you that happiness is actually, I, I think I might be getting strong either Gandhi or the Dalai Lama, and both really great guys. So I'm going to just honor that one of the two said it, maybe both of them. But you know that uh, that happiness is what when what you think and what you feel and what you do are in alignment. And mm. I think I think that personal mastery offers that because as you pointed out so beautifully, they're they're not negative emotions. I actually would love maybe maybe you and I could like start this trend within our field of positive psychology. That really think we need to start calling it narrowing emotions and broadening emotions. Because that's what they are, right? Negative emotions narrow and positive emotions broaden. And it's not good or bad. It's not positive or negative. And it's not even, you know, can they can be dark. But really, the reason that they're dark is they just narrow you from the light. Yeah. And so the narrowing emotions, do I want to feel them when I want to feel them? If I want to feel grief, I want to allow myself to feel the grief. It's just when I no longer want to feel sad, do I know how to move myself from my sadness? Or when my there, and I'm all about helping people learn to be in the present moment more often. However, there are times where I am love to think. Anyone that knows me knows that like my brain just does all sorts of fascinating stuff. And for me, there's nothing juicier than like laying around in bed on a lazy Sunday morning and just thinking thinking about anything. I think about things I want to create. I think about things I haven't done yet. I think about things that I've said. I go in and out of dreamland. Like, you know, I'm like, my mind is all over the place, but I like it to be that way because I'm just kind of relaxing. Mm. But can I focus my mind when my thoughts are all over the place? And then there's personal mastery over the body. Now, mind you, I was not an athletic kid. Um, when my parents moved from 
uh, from Ukraine to New York. We, we moved into Brooklyn, uh, into an inner city school where we didn't have, the school didn't have a budget for things like art, music, and gym classes. So we would alternate, you know, like once once a week, you'd get like an art class and the other week you'd have a music class. It wasn't the way that I've learned when we then later moved to Long Island that people had like physical activity and gym classes or like, and, and sports. Like several and times a week sports. or every day, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I didn't have that growing up, and so like I did. I, I still to this day don't know what to do with a ball. Like you know, <laughs> can't really throw one, can't really kick one. Um, you know, like not really quite you sure paint what to it. do. With that. You're, you're an I incredible could, I, watercolor I, painter. You that could be a new thing for you. <laughs> thank you. I, I can paint a ball. I can sketch and paint a ball, but that's about it. Yeah, and so so I wasn't really raised with athleticism, and I was mm. a little bit of a chubby kid, and and then I had this fixed mindset throughout my my adolescence that you know those kids were the athletes and I was so insecure about being the one to fumble with the ball or so insecure right. to to try to run as fast as I could and show up last yes you know one of my like funny yes. stories when we had to run the mile when I got to high school and I was in, living in Long Island and again physical activity was just much more a part of the school culture I was like the punk ass kid who walked the mile smoking a cigarette yes. on the, on the, <laughs> the track because, so your whole you know, class your whole class is running the mile and you're like I'm a badass and I'm smoking a cigarette in front of my teacher yeah, and like little, you know, little do I find out, like I'm, you know, killing my lungs and doing all these terrible things right. for my my organs. But of course, that doesn't matter when you're a teenager and you have an undeveloped prefrontal cortex and a very strong emotional brain that says, like, I will do anything to put up this front to sh- to make like I don't care mm. about physical activity. Where of course I cared. Like, oh my god, I would have done anything to be one of those athletic people who had this like mastery over their body. And to this day, like. I am in awe of, of gymnasts and uh, dancers for just things that they can do with their body. And, and it was, but it was little by little that I started to, I, I as I learned about the importance of, of physical activity for our health, for our well-being, but it came actually by way of an eating disorder. There was also this element of like, I wanted to look a certain way and mm-hmm. that meant I had to exercise. So I, you know, started getting myself to go to the gym and being physically active. And a lot of those things came from a place of have to. And then over the course of my life, it became more of a, I want to, and I, but it took, took time to train that. And now I can say that I've, you know, not only have I healed that eating disorder that I had, I had it for over a decade, and now it's like the furthest thing from my life experience, but it came, it came when I finally learned to like revere what my body could do and, and mm. how to how to take care of my body. Yeah. And so personal mastery for me of my body is one that I know how to, I know how to take really good care of my body from a place of both ergonomics. Like before it, you kind of drive this vehicle, we call it your body and then things malfunction and it's like, you don't know what to do. It's like you pull your neck, you have to go to a chiropractor or, you know, you get this ache and this pain in your body. And it's like, you don't know what's happening. And there were reasons that brought me to becoming a certified yoga teacher um, going to study things like yoga therapy and um, ergonomics and Thai yoga massage is like all about how do I learn to take care of my body mm. studying nutrition so I knew how to take care of my body my mother got diagnosed with ovarian cancer just a few years after my brother died which looking in retrospect I very much believe was tied to the death of my brother you know the the, the wow. pain of the 
the loss of her 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 child, her womb, and all of that. And and when my mom was going through cancer treatment, I started to study nutrition because I started to think like, what kind of food should she be eating to help her with cancer treatment? I was like, why aren't we taught how to eat? Right. Why aren't we taught how to do these things? Even just today, I got the sweetest message from one of our students who said something like, thank you, Amelia, for teaching me how to stand because my back used to always kill me. And I taught for eight hours yesterday and my body felt great. And it was because I just taught her how to find balance in her body body so she wasn't standing in an imbalanced way that would further her back pain right. and so going this back is, to your question sorry well I'm this rambling. is just so incredible I mean what there's so much here and I want to kind of put an exclamation point on a couple of things that you said one is that you learn to revere your body and yes. one of the things that we know statistically 90% of American women dislike some aspect of their body 90% and I don't think it's only the United States, right? I have a dear friend who is in women's wellness in Amsterdam, and she said it's the same. And she hosts retreats for women all over the world. So 90% of women dislike their bodies. And you're saying we need to revere it for what it does for us. And that's such a mind shift of hating our body because it doesn't look the way that a magazine told us that it should or that... Uh, first love told us that it should or something, or because we gained weight when we were pregnant or whatever it might be, rather than hating our bodies for how it looks, revering it for what it does. And that's an incredible mind shift right there, Amelia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way to get there, right? It like doesn't happen over overnight, but like you can just start anywhere. Like the magical process, the thousands of biochemical reactions that have to happen in order for you to breathe are incredible mm -hmm. you know it's like and your body just does it all day long thousands of times throughout the day you are breathing and in order for your body to just know like if you think about it you don't have to think about breathing it just happens your body just knows exactly what to do it knows how to take in oxygen it then takes the waste out of your body i don't know if you know speaking of, of data 80 percent of our waste of our body is carried out by our breath mm. not by sweating not by pooping mm. we actually breathe it out and and there's actually a great ted talk on what happens to fat when you lose weight many people don't actually ask themselves that question like when you lose weight when you lose <laughs> where, does body fat, where does it go <laughs> it's not like oprah are... carrying in the 90 pounds of fat on the wheelbarrow right so where does it yeah go? <laughs> where does it go and most people are like oh well uh you poop it out no you don't actually you poop out only what you've eaten other people will be like oh well you sweat it out well no actually you only sweat out the perspiration that is in your your sweat glands you actually breathe out a lot of your fat wow, it actually that's gets fascinating chemical processes take the carbon and and break it down the carbon and the hydrogen and the oxygen they get broken down and you actually breathe it out now some people will say things like well can i just take a lot of deep breaths and like will i lose weight right. <laughs> you need to create a chemical Clever. combustion process where your body has to <laughs> utilize the fat and has to want to break it down so that it can come out in your breath but i mean we are just such miraculous creatures right. it's 
amazing. Well, yeah, you're talking about knowing how our body works and how miraculous our body is. You're right. Our body just knows to breathe. And our body, when you get a cut, our body just knows to heal it. It's like, it really is this incredible machine. Our our body knows how to pick up food. I mean, it's it's really incredible all, all how all of these things interact. And so if someone is out there and doesn't even know where to begin. Does it begin with breath? Does it begin with movement? You know, that feeling of vitality, right? Like that vibrant aliveness, being strong. Where does it begin? Mm. I think it can begin anywhere, but I really believe that it comes through sleep. Mm. It's one of the first places it begins because I say that your body is like a battery you know, it's, it's a, it's a literally a container for chi, for energy, for prana, for life force energy. And our bed is our charging station. And mm. so one of the easiest ways to up our vitality is just to give our body the sleep that it needs. So one of the, the big things that I learned was that learn to learn how to respect sleep because I was someone who I, I mean I, I can't even imagine where my body would be today if I actually honored sleep when I was a teenager because I was a doer I still am I'm a recovering doer and learning to be more do less but I <laughs> thought I, I took my ability to function on so little sleep as a badge of honor it was right. like look how little sleep I could get by on look how much I could do fighting this desire to sleep and I literally thought of sleep time as like the bonus hours I could chip away at if I didn't mm. get things done in my waking hours. And it wasn't through learning about the value of sleep and, and not even just the learning the values, actually learning about the mechanisms behind it. And this is why I'm so passionate about the science that helps us understand how something works. Why does it work? Because for me, when I understand why it works, I'm much more likely to actually do it. So right. really learning to respect that our body is working when we are sleeping and it is doing things that build our mental health, our emotional health and our physical health. And that to really honor our sleep time and let ourselves get that first level of vitality. Uh, I think that's, that's one of the places where it begins. I love that. That's incredible. Thank you. Um, the other place I'm thinking, so I know sleep and I'm somebody, I've always loved my sleep. I'm like, yeah, give me nine, 10, whatever hours I can get. You know? <laughs> but we do yeah. in our society, we think that someone is more, it's like more prestigious or more important if they can get less hours, you know, that they're somehow busier. Um, and the other thing I've really learned, you know, teaching, because I'm on faculty for you in the Certificate in Applied Positive Psychology program, teaching these practitioners around the world, the science is why we have to move and the connection yeah. between our bodies and our brains and also our food. I was someone who never understood it because I was blessed with a metabolism where I have never been, I've never felt overweight. And so I just thought it was about, well, how you look and then teaching. And even when we did our master's in positive psychology, we didn't learn about the body. And one of the things I love about teaching in the CAP program, the certificate program that you've created, is that we do teach so much about the body because it's all connected. And one of the yeah. things I found so fascinating is that we actually need to move because our ancestors thousands of years ago, they were moving. And our brains think that we're still them, right? So our brains are operating in that same um, they They think our brains are, are basically the same. I mean, you tell me. But there is um, a huge percentage overlap between our brains and our early ancestors' brains. And 
our ancestors wandered in the desert desert for five or ten miles a day and so our bodies were designed and our brains were designed for that movement and it makes so much sense to me so what's happening when we move what happens to the brain yeah yeah so not only were we were we constantly moving especially as it comes to brain health and and learning the only time really we were learning new stuff was when we were moving and not only were we walking we weren't just walking we were walking we were squatting we were crawling we were digging we were pushing pulling twisting weaving pulling our own body weight pushing things along carrying things and so there's such a Mm. variety of movement that our ancestors had and that we don't (laughs) you know people say oh i exercise and they get on an elliptical and they just like move on the same plane forward back forward back forward back for 45 minutes on elliptical and they've sweated and they think that they got exercise i mean they did They, Mm. they they moved their body they were physically active but what our ancestors were doing and what our brain evolved to function optimally at was was movement, movement that was varied and movement that enabled us to learn and to grow and to work with one another. So we know mm. that firstly, there are definitely feel-good chemicals that get released in our brain when we're, when we're physically active, um, things like serotonin. It also increases the production of a particular neurohormone that is acts like uh, it's a protein that actually acts like an accelerator for our brain. We call it miracle growth for our brain, BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. And it actually helps the neurons in our brain communicate better. Just the same way you would add salt to your water to get it to boil faster. When BDNF is present, our neurons talk better to one another. We have a much more alive, vibrant, alert brain when we're physically active than we do when we are just sedentary. And so movement is so important and varied movement, not even just because it's gonna give us more oxygen. So when we're moving, because our muscles need more oxygen in order to for them to fire, and since our muscles need the oxygen, we take in more oxygen throughout our whole body. And one of our biggest muscles is our brain, our yeah. largest or, you know, very important organ. So we actually get more oxygen into our brain. That's why sometimes people say, I need to go for a walk to clear my mind. Yeah. Well, actually, what they're doing is they are clearing their mind because oxygen comes in and, you know, clears out some of the junk. I love but that. also... Also, we need varied movement to keep our connective tissue strong and malleable. And so the way that you were saying, Karen, about your your increased desire to lift weight, to build physical strength, that balance of both physical strength and, um, and flexibility gives our body this opportunity to find what in Anusara Yoga is called the optimal blueprint, that there's this place of, of, of alignment that our body could find when our bones and our muscles are clicked into place in a way that makes our body function optimally. So this is no pain in your body. This is chi and energy flowing optimally, blood flowing optimally. It's also your lymph flowing properly as well. And so we can find alignment and physical health and and vitality in our body and, and finding that through utilizing our muscles and moving through lots of different planes of movement. That's why I love 
that I, I, I teach so much the importance of creating a variety of different things that you that we can do with our body because our body adapts. Mm-hmm. So if you're just always, if your exercise modality is always just, oh, you know, I, I lift weights to do the same, you know, 10, 10 exercises every time, like that's okay, but your body's going to adapt. And can you, can you swim? Can you row? Can you run? Can you squat? Can you lift weight? Can you twist your body? Can you carry things through different plates? Can you sometimes lift a kettlebell and other times lift a dumbbell like the importance of variety is so key because one it keeps our brain active it keeps us learning it keeps us creating also the the thing i forgot to mention is when that powerful uh bdnf is present in our in our brain we also spur new dendrites so dendrites are if you think about our the neurons in our head in our brain as trees with little branches you know the the neuron is basically a brain cell a brain cell, exactly. And you have like so 600 the, billion of them up in your brain. Yes, and they can make, tr- uh, you know, quadrillion connections between all of those teensy, tiny little neurons. And then the neurons itself is like the, the tree uh, trunk of the, of the brain. But then the dendrites are the branches. And you can keep growing more and more branches. You know, they'll grow through the light. They grow through all of these different things to be able to get uh, get the, the the light that it needs. And same thing happens mm. in our brain, that when we are active, we actually grow more dendrites. Mm. And this is, this is incredible. And this is so important because in order to create new habits, right? So any of you out there, um, let's say you want to create an, a new meditation habit or you want to change a, a habit you have, you don't want to be smoking anymore. It, the whole point is that in order to change and grow and become the woman that you were born to be, we our brain is malleable and we can change and grow by changing and growing our brain. And so what I'm hearing is that movement basically helps us in this process of extending the connections in our brain, which will help you learn more. So let's say you want to pick up a new language and you might be out there going, I'm 55, I can't pick up a new language. Well, movement is actually going to help with that because you're, it's like feeding your brain all the good stuff in order to help it learn more and become what you want it to become. Because we can learn anything at any age. We can pick up any habit and movement sounds like it's going to help with that. Yep, exactly. Beautiful. It's so, so incredible. And so you all can tell why she is the queen of vitality and she knows so much about this. And you have taught me so much about food and just revering my body for what it can do. And then getting curious about how I can have that optimal functioning. And one of the things I love about that connection between body and mind, I know that as I have all these dreams and desires and all of you who are listening, you have dreams and you want to figure out your purpose or you want to be your happiest self, our body is really that conduit to it. And one of the things I loved, Amelia, as you were talking about your first career is how much fun it was for you. And Mm. one of the things I love about you is how much fun you make all of this. Like we were sweating at my bachelorette party, but we were doing it in sexy (laughs) outfits around a pole, you know, and you were teaching us how to pole dance. So it's like, this can be really fun. And it's, it's something that I have so learned from you is to make my vitality, right? Instead of like, oh, I have to eat well. Like, no, I'm choosing what I eat because I'm choosing to treat my body like a queen. I'm choosing that I'm a goddess and I'm treating my body like one. 
And so mm. then I can make it fun. And what are the delicious, how do I make kiwi, kiwi or mango, which are so delicious, let that nourish me. And mm. that's a gift that you have that I have so learned from you. Oh, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So one of the incredible things, I mean, you've done a million incredible things, but I know when you set out to start this business 10 years ago, you just wanted to help people. You wanted to just inspire people to live better and to flourish. And here you are 10 years later, you now have this company that has multiple different learning opportunities for people, the primary of which is the Certificate in Applied Positive Psychology program, the CAP program, that in all transparency, I teach in. I mean, I love this. I love, love, love this program. And we've had, what, a thousand people go through this program? Yep. Yep. Over a thousand students. It is so incredible. And so why did you create the certificate program? Oh, such a great question. Thank you for asking. So I, I co-founded the CAP program with Louis Aloro, and it was at a time that we were teaching positive psychology classes at the New York Open Center. And we found that with every topic that we would teach, more and more people would be hungry for more. And we had developed programs in everything from gratitude and optimism and resilience and goal setting and visualization and brain chemistry and all of these different topics. And people were just so hungry Mm. for more and more and more and more. And part of the reason is because nothing like this had existed. There were, there were no opportunities for people to actually systematically study positive psychology other than the one master's degree at the University of Pennsylvania and the second one the, at the University of East London. And so it was either, it, and so for people who were professionals like coaches or therapists or acupuncturists or people that worked with people, managers, CEOs of companies, uh, recruiters, people who are constantly working with things like people's mind, there was really no training for them other than a master's degree. And many of our students already had advanced degrees. We get people who are psychologists who have a PhD in psychology, just positive psychology didn't exist when they were, right. when they were, they were right. going through schooling, you know, right. otherwise they would have studied that. Right. And most people are not going to go get their master's degree in positive psychology at Penn or, or East London yeah. because it's $65,000 for one year. I mean, I often think those of us who did it are kind of a little bit crazy uh, in the best way. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. it, and and they only take 30 people a year. And that certainly yeah. does not satisfy the number of people that we need out there teaching this, right? We, exactly. we need thousands and thousands, millions of people teaching this in order to create a flourishing world. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry, so continue. Yeah. So, and that's exactly why, exactly why we created it, but also how we created it was a really big part of it. So I co-founded it with Lewis and I built out this program based on what I wish we had had when we were going through the mm. master's degree in, yeah. in, at UPenn. So we created a program that not only is truly applied, that's hands-on, that teaches through interactive learning. And rather than always having people just sit through lectures, we pre-record lectures that people watch on their own time. And then they come in and they get to learn more lecture, but then interact with one another and that we give our students our materials so that they can start teaching right away. They can start coaching people with this work right away. They can start consulting organizations and communities with how they can integrate positive psychology. So with a huge emphasis on, and and it came from all of the certification programs I had done Mm. um, and uh, over the years that enabled me to sort of think about what 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 does that mean? So it'd be crazy for a person to go through a yoga 
teacher certification program and not know how to teach a, a yoga class, whereas you can get a, a master's degree in India in yoga theory and yoga philosophy, and, and master's degrees are not, not doing the same thing that a certification program does for people. So we also spent a lot of time thinking about what is the actual application of positive psychology in a way that universities don't often really think about because their job is to teach you the science and to teach you the theory and the research and the measurements and the assessment tools. And so that's a lot of what we've built out as well is, is a whole system for how people can take a passion for helping other people thrive and turn that passion into a career. I, I freaking love it. It's so beautiful. And one of the, I mean, there's so many incredible pieces of this program, but I love that you you're filling this need and it's not just a need in the market it's a need that we have for the world to flourish and doing it in a way that it is so interactive and it's fun i mean you as an entertainer totally comes out in our classes because we take the dance breaks because the exercises that have been created are are fun and entertaining and and have that element to it and one of the things i love about it is that, and this is something I think that's so incredible, that says so much about you and you and Lewis as creators of this, is that certainly coaches and teachers take it as well as business people. I had someone who was who worked with Morgan Stanley, you know, who was a top executive for Morgan Stanley take my class last semester and because he works with people. And so it's bringing that in. I had a woman take my class who's doing it for herself, right? I've actually, every year I have people who do that because they just want to learn this for themselves. And her final project, there's a final project with it, was creating an owner's manual for herself, right? Her personal mm. mastery owner's manual. How am I so at cool. my best? It was so cool. And so you have this range of people who are going to create programs and they get all of our slides for that, but also who are deciding, I'm a change agent because as I change, everyone around me changes. Because I, that's, that's the influence of me just being around my vet or me just being around my neighbors or my partner mm-hmm. or my kids. So it's, it's um, really been inspiring to see the range of people. And so if anyone out there is interested in learning the science of human flourishing, the science of happiness, and learning the applied way, we're starting another certificate round of certification programs in the fall. And you can sign up right now. And in fact, Emilia, you have to tell me, but the, we have a special rate right now. Is that right? Yeah. 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 If they register between, before June 1st, they can save up to $1,500 off of the registration. So after, after June 1st, the price of the program is going up. And we've got 14 different programs starting this fall in places such as Philadelphia, New York, Boston, um, DC, Chicago, Vancouver, Toronto. So we've got lots of programs coming up in the, in just the next couple of months. And we would love to have people take a look. If you, if you go to get certified in pp.com, PP student for positive psychology, get certified in pp.com. You can uh, find that or just go to our website, the flourishing center.com. I love it. And any of you out there, I'm just going to make a special plug because it, it's shameless and I don't care. I'm teaching Philadelphia, and I would love, love, love to have you in my class. Although I can tell you that any of the faculty is incredible. Every single one of these people I consider to be dear friends and colleagues and inspiration uh, in my life. So, But if you want to be with me, and I would be so honored, I'm teaching Philly. 
So, <laughs> so go to getcertifiedinpp.com. And I actually have a special rate for all of you. So anyone who wants an additional uh, $100 off, you can use the rate Karen R 27 that's C-A-R-I-N-R-27, and you'll get that extra discount just to help you out a little bit. And uh, you will join our force, literally a movement, a force of thousands of people who are changing the world through the science of happiness. And I would love to have you as a colleague out there. So if you've been curious about what I do and you've been thinking, how do I learn that? This is an incredible, incredible, incredible way to do it. And Amelia, if anyone is interested in learning more about you, working with you in other ways, where do they find you? They can go to my website, amelia.com, E-M-I-L-I-Y-A.com. Um, you'll see some, just an opportunity to hit the contact form there or happy to speak to someone if they want to just schedule a, a consultation call. It's amelia.com forward slash, forward slash schedule. Awesome. And she is the bomb, as you can tell. And we could have talked about 10 different topics today. We just happened to choose Vitality. So maybe you'll be back another time, <laughs> Amelia, and we'll talk about mindset or we'll talk about some other aspect of flourishing. Okay, so it is time now for our Purpose Power Up Play Round, which is just when I ask you a couple of quick, fun questions, Amelia, and whatever is the first question. Okay, let's do the it. First answer. Okay, here we go. Ready? What's uh -huh. something that everyone should do at least once in their lives? Go to Burning Man. Ooh. <laughs> and I think I saw on Facebook you're going again. Going this year. Second okay. time. All right, Burning Man. I've never been. It wasn't on my list, but if you're saying it's a must-do. Okay, number two. Who inspires you to be better? Mm. My best friend, Carol Ann Valentino. Mm. What about her? She knows me better than anybody else in the world and she uses her deep 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 intuition and uh always calls me out on where i can grow and she she sees me and she just always challenges me to to really follow my path and follow my wisdom mm, so beautiful i love it i love it beautiful and she has a one woman show going on in new york city right now so highly recommend that all right last question what song gets you pumped up, excited, and ready to take on the world? Oh, Safe and Sound. <laughs> mm, I love that song. So, so. I will build you up. <laughs> I will show you where you want to be and take you where you want to go. I messed up the lyrics just there, but it pumps you up so much <laughs> that I don't even remember what the lyrics are. Just thinking about it makes me want to sing and dance. I know. I started bopping along with you. I hope you all did out there too. I love it. I love it. I love it. With that, it's been such a pleasure to have you on, Amelia. Thank you. Any of you out there, you want to learn more about the science of positive psychology, we would be honored to work with you. Go to certifiedinpp.com. And as usual, for more information on how to live your purpose, to get your free Living on Purpose guide, please go to PurposeGirl.com. Join the movement of women living on purpose and teaching other people to do the same. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.